0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio is a platform that helps growth focused e commerce brands drive more sales with super targeted, highly relevant email, Facebook, and Instagram marketing. Hello and welcome to another episode of the duct tape marketing podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Micah Solomon. He's a best selling author and one of America's most popular keynote speakers on building bottom line growth through customer service. And we're going to talk about his newest book, Ignore Your Customers and They'll Go Away, the simple playbook for delivering the ultimate customer service experience. So, Micah, welcome back.
1: Oh, it's great to be here, John.
0: So I can hear some people snickering and saying, really, will they go away?
1: Is that all it takes is ignoring them and they'll go away? Uh But but that's not what we're
0: here to talk about, is it?
1: (laughs) Well, I did, you know, I I got that reaction once or twice. And uh, yeah, it can feel like that at the end of a long day, can't it? (laughs) It can sometimes.
0: But again, we need those customers. Customers are king, right? So why is it that this is the part that is so hard for people to get right?
1: I think that by any objective standard, uh, customer service has improved over the years. But the thing is, our uh, customer expectations have skyrocketed as well. So it's not good enough to just do uh, an okay job. And there's so much value in doing a fantastic job because... We're no longer in the madman era where Don Draper and Peggy Olson could sell you. You could convince you that lucky strikes were good for your throat you know we're not in that era anymore we're still interested in marketing but only if it only if it's co- consonant with our uh, experience as customers and the experience that our friends and the people we listen to online are are having
0: yeah and I think the hard part about it is, I mean really at the end of the day m- Businesses love their customers. They want to treat them well. You know, they don't want to provide bad service. But I think people underestimate just how hard it actually is to do it elegantly.
1: That's exactly right. And I like to say I'm a. You're, you're interested how I'm a keynote speaker. I'm also a consultant. In fact, Inc. told, Ink crowned me the other day, Inc. Magazine as the world's number one customer service turnaround expert, and then which was so sweet. And then he admitted I'm also the only one he's ever met. But what I do is I I walk into companies and I mystery shop them and see how they're doing. And then I work with them to transform their customer experience. And what I find is most of the companies that hire me are already doing pretty well. They already understand the value of stuff, but they want to reach that exceptional level that you're talking about. And it is hard. It is really hard. There's many aspects to it. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, point
0: because I know over the years a lot of the companies that have hired me to do marketing consulting are ones that kind of outwardly look like they're doing all right, uh, but it's, yeah, exactly. But it's it's the mentality of but I want to invest in this, you know that that I think is is really you know what you're experiencing probably as well, isn't it? I, yes, that sounds right. So the kind of the the kind of phrase or buzzword out there now is to to be a customer first, you know, company. Um, how do you take that beyond just
1: you know the, the team, <laughs> smiling harder the team meeting? <laughs> uh, so customer first. It's a little bit of a misnomer, at least when I'm talking about it. I would say, arguably, you know, employees should be first because they're going to be delivering the service. But what we're talking about with customer first, if we're talking about it the right way, is to take the customer's perspective. So I call this. Micah's red bench principle. And it's that the customers really only care about themselves. They care about their kids for sure, and their spouse and their dog and so forth, but they don't care about us as much as we wish they would. So we need, sadly, it's true. So we need to see things from their perspective and understand they're not really interested in our organizational chart, then they're not interested in any of that. So if you can frame things in your mind and in your processes and in your attitude from a customer's perspective, you're going to do a lot better.
0: All right. So that leads us right to how do you get in their head? I mean, how do you how do you get that perspective?
1: Well, that is an excellent question. Uh, you hire someone like me. I mean, there's many different ways to do it, but you can hire someone like me to be your customer and see how it goes. And I can learn a lot. You can do this yourself as well. I would check all these things that you think are running fine and probably aren't, like like John. Uh, you're like me, so you probably check this, but most companies never check their web forms to see if anyone actually a- answers those inquiries. Uh, you know, the answer is usually never. So uh, you check all those things, you make sure that it's working the way a customer would want it to. I, on, on the website, you you may want to hire a user experience person because that stuff's really important too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know,
0: customers, our customers get to publish now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what, you know, what, how is that dynamic, you know, changed, not only customer service, but certainly the need to be intentional about it.
1: So I think of customer service as the new marketing. And if you do a great job, if you provide a good customer experience and a warm customer service, then people are going to talk about you. They'll also talk about you if you're efficient and you're in the right location and all that. But one thing they love to talk about is how they've been treated. So it's extremely valuable. It's also, I mean, it's arguably free. though. Those staffing right, and so forth is not actually free. but uh, But you do what you're supposed to be doing and you get this free marketing as well. And, of course, it can go the other direction as well. So,
0: who in your mind—and I know you profile some some bigger companies in particular that you know that are household names um, in the book—but uh, who do you think is getting it right? That's part A. And then maybe talk about a not so well-known company that you think has gotten it right and that that's made a difference.
1: The companies I cover in my book, ignore your customers and they'll go away. Range from ones that we all think about, like Nordstrom, Zappos we spent some time with both of them uh USAA which is huge in insurance and uh financial services and a lot of other stuff virgin hotels which actually will eventually be an enormous chain but right now is only just a couple hotels so we spent some time with them uh safelite autoglass which if you think about it they they come into your life probably on a challenging day i mean best case is a rock hit your window and and you need a new windshield. Worst case, someone actually intentionally broke your window because they broke into your car, and the replacing the windshield is only one of your problems. So they come into your life on a bad day, and they don't only strive to make things okay. They strive to delight you. So I spent some time with Safe Flight Auto Glass. Uh, some companies that I can see, John, neither of us need this, but Dry Bar, which is the for women and maybe men who are in hair bands, they're they're the people who have done so well by offering blowout and styling. We spend a bunch of time with them. Mod Pizza, which is growing like uh, gangbusters, and a voiceover IP company named Nextiva. So, all of those, I would say, are doing a spectacular job uh, in very different industries.
0: I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by. Clavio. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers. And this allows you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. There's powerful segmentation, email autoresponders that are ready to go, great reporting. You want to learn a little bit about the secret to building customer relationships? They've got a really fun series called Clavios Beyond. Black Friday. It's a docu-series, a lot of fun, quick lessons. Just head on over to clavio.com beyond BF, beyond Black Friday. So tell me a little bit about SafeLight because I had a uh, I had one of those experiences where I had to replace my windshield and I will tell you that I think the the entire experience I wouldn't, I'd love for you to talk about the delight part, but I will just tell you from a get the job done part, it it was delightful. Um, You know, I scheduled, they, you know, they, they came out (laughs) um, at the scheduled time. uh, They replaced it. Everything went great. I mean, so from my standpoint, it was so convenient. Uh, You know, I was able to schedule the entire thing online, pay for it online. The person came out. I didn't even know they were there and it was done. I mean, so from that standpoint, you know, it it was as frictionless as possible. But what do you what did you find that they do that you feel is over and above
1: that? So that's a lot of it. And to pull that off is harder than I would imagine. They have to have the part ready. They have to marry the part to the work order. And then they've worked really hard on the scheduling part. What they they first did something that was too restrictive, where they told you exactly when the driver would show up but what they found was that the drivers out in the field wanted a little more control over it because maybe another job was going a little longer so they involved the drivers in that they've done some things for people who are really worried uh, about personal safety you now get a little photo of the person a little bio and so forth so some i guess someone shows up they're a totally different person uh you, you, you could you could head it off at the pass. Uh, the delight part, I think it's most of those things that you talked about, the frictionless, but it's also the customer service training that they've gone into to make sure that they are t- treating you well on a personal and personable level. So let's talk about silos
0: um, inside of organizations. Oh no. <laughs> a lot of organizations have marketing and sales and service, you know, as separate arms of the organization. Maybe you've not encountered any of these, but uh, I'm told they exist uh still today. When it when it comes to the idea of of, you know, customer service, um, you know, or or a perspective about um, you know, this customer first thinking, what role do marketing and sales play in that? Uh, again, that's the, I know that's a really loaded and big question, but you know how I, I guess in some ways another way I could ask that is as how do you get every you know marketing, sales, and service kind of on the same you know all on the same page?
1: Well, this is really important, and many people have have studied this. You don't want the salesperson who over sells beyond what the customer uh, support team can can really bring to life. Uh, marketing, you don't want to oversell your product and then have it be beyond what, what your company can provide either. So that's very important. And then having the salespeople really know the product, really know the team that's supporting the product. I think all of that's extremely important. Now, John, you live way out in the country. So uh doesn't it doesn't you get a little bit sick when people talk about silos and it's entirely a metaphor at this point? <laughs> a,
0: that is a good point. I grew up on a, I grew up on a farm, uh, so uh, we used to put we used to put grain in those silos. Uh. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about generations. Um, I have uh, um, I have four millennial age children. And their buying uh, habits or the way that they consider who they're going to buy from, uh, who they're going to stay with, you know, are substantially different than mine. I think, or at least a different set. Of, I wouldn't say there's we, you know, we had the same values, of, you know, and and connection with companies. But I think that, for example, you know, if they go on a website and it doesn't work the way they think it's supposed to work, that's the end of the story. <laughs> you know, whereas I might go, ah, this this is clunky, but they're a good brand. I like them, you know, and I might fight through. So, uh, you know, from a service standpoint, how do you, how do you work with companies that A, have
1: multi-generational employees maybe, or B, certainly customers? I tend to focus on the customer side. And what I would say is that all of us are becoming millennials. So if a, if a business can delight John's kids, are, are they girls? Or are they Yes, also four girls and two of them are millennials. That's awesome. So uh, my feeling is if you can delight the millennials, then pretty soon you'll delight their older brothers and sisters, and then you'll delight John as well. So I was talking with Hervé Umler, who's one of the actual founders of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. And he said, that's how we do it. If if a millennial is asking for something, we'll figure that mom and dad are going to ask for it pretty soon. And I think that's very important. There's even a group on Facebook called My life's officially over. My parents have joined Facebook. So, (laughs) Uh, and and so what? So what do millennials want? They want it to work. They expect it to work. I mean, I think of millennials as technologically savvy is sort of true, but what they really are is what you said, John. They're technologically intolerant. I when I describe having a 1984 Mac, I talk to millennials. They're like, "Oh, that's really cool." And then I say, "Well." Yes and no. Can you believe that to install Microsoft Word, I had to f- switch in these floppy disks for like five hours? And they're like, "No, that's that computer is dead to me." <laughs> I, I like the old rainbow logo, but that's about it. So they're technologically intolerant, uh, but I think that really keeps us on their toes. They're also very interested in what is perhaps incorrectly called authenticity, but they want they want they're okay with businesses with a little bit more of the warts showing. Um, because it's more personable and they are good with what I call an eye level or peer on peer style of service. So they don't want you putting on airs like we see in Buckingham Palace and all those historical shows, you know, with the one arm behind the back and stuff. It's more like, and I was interviewing a millennial traveler for one of my books and she said, what's comfortable for me is someone who's serving me but we are on a level. I understand that you know next week if I was short on money maybe I'll be working as a barista. So that's the style of service that's most comfortable for them.
0: Couple of great points there. All right, let's talk about hiring for customer service. Um I you know, I think that some of the best customer service people are just born that way. Right. And, uh, and you may d- dispute that, but I mean, how do you keep a, if, if, you know, as your company grows and you've built this brand on, you know, people love us, we serve them well, you know, how do you keep that culture uh, alive with the fact that you have to get, you have to get bodies in seats in some cases.
1: So sometimes the reason and I can speak from experience, uh, having literally started literally started in my basement, sometimes the owner, is so great about customer service, not totally because it's their personality, but because you have a proverbial loaded gun to your head. I mean, right? Because we know the value of every customer. So you need to get this across that every individual customer is irreplaceable. I would actually argue that customers in the plural sort of doesn't exist. that are only customers, the one that's in front of you right now. Born that way is a very important point. If you can hire for traits, it's ideal. Now, if you're in a very technical field, Google, you also have to hire for uh, technical aptitude and maybe even technical training. But for customer-facing positions, if you can hire for traits, you'll do best. Do you have a second for me to tell you the traits you want? Yes, I do. I'd love it. All right. So I'm going to give you a rule of thumb. I will, however, say it's better to go with, with one of these great companies like Gallup that has a more involved methodology. But if you, a lot of people aren't going to do that, so I've got a rule of actually all five fingers. Picture here's how to remember it: picture the superstore Petco. All right, and then outside of Petco, put a big wet dog. All right, so John, what 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 is the superstore? Petco, right. And is the dog dry or is it wet? It is wet. And in fact, I, I am,
0: it's getting ready to shake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have this big wet. So the reason you want to remember this is because my five traits that make you really good at customer service spell Wetco. W-E-T-C-O. It's silly, but it works. So W is warmth. This just means they like other people. E is empathy. This means they can sort of. Well, not sort of. They can actually sense what another person's thinking without them saying it. T is teamwork. This is a willingness to involve your entire team to find a solution for the customer. C is conscientiousness. This means detail-orientedness. And O is optimism. Specifically, it's what Marty Seligman calls an optimistic explanatory style. So if you get someone with an Pessimistic explanatory style. Customers, you know, they can have a bad day and they can bite your head off. And you'll be like, oh my goodness, I, I, I must have done something horrible, horribly wrong. You're going to say it. You're going to call in sick for the rest of the day, go home, never come back to work. Understandable, but not ideal. What you want is someone who will say, oh, well, that was a challenging conversation. I hope she. Feels better tomorrow. Maybe I could have done better. I'm going to talk it over with my manager, but I'm also going to dust myself off, go back to work. So warmth, empathy, teamwork, conscientiousness, and optimism. So those are the traits to hire for. However, most of us have already hired however we've hired. (laughs) And so we've got these people. Well, what can we do? Well, some of these things can be trained for. There's a kind of empathy that can't be trained for. That's called dispositional empathy. And that's just the born that way part. But there's another kind, which is called situational empathy. And this can absolutely be trained for. So for instance, in healthcare, sometimes I consult with Hospitals, one of the issues they have is that those nice, hopefully nice people on the phone doing the scheduling, they're generally in a different building from where the patients are. They don't encounter a patient all day. And... Almost none of them has ever been an inpatient in a hospital. So you have these two barriers to the dispositional empathy that they need. So what do you do? Well, you realize it's a problem or as we call in the biz, a challenge. And then you get working on it. You simulate uh, clinical moments. You One thing I've always suggested for nurses, none of them have ever taken me up on this. But with nurses, I say, hey, you want to know how long it seems between when that buzzer's pressed and when you uh, show up? How about this? Drink four liters of water. <laughs> <laughs> no one has taken me up on it, but you get the idea, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. I thought you were going to suggest that that you know that you, that they were going to you know inoculate them with some you know infectious disease or something so that they would all have to spend like two weeks in a hospital or
1: something. Oh like gosh, no! But but <laughs> but there are but there are things like that you can do uh, if you want to think about your. Uh, imp- your customers who have disabilities, there are these heavy boots that you can wear to give you a feeling. And so, yes, yeah, so, so some of that, but mostly it's going to be role plays and uh, video and in-person training. Speaking with Micah
0: Solomon, uh, his latest book is ignore your customers and they'll go away. So Micah, tell us where people can find out more about you, your work and your
1: books. Come to my website. If you don't mind, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to be masterful at spelling biblical names. It's Micah which is, M-I-C-A-H at M-I-C-A-H-S-O-L-O-M-O-N. There's no A in Solomon.com. Or if that's just too much for you, here is my favorite. John, this is very Abby Hoffman. I have a URL just for the book and it is ignore this (laughs) book.com. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Well, Micah, thanks
0: for dropping by. And uh, next time you uh, talk to Ira, tell him you you were on a show that's more popular or probably not more popular. Somebody thought it was more influential. <laughs> than, than <laughs> it. So Hopefully, uh, we'll run into you soon next time I'm out there on the road.
1: <laughs> thanks for everything, John.